the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. It is Tuesday afternoon. It's good to be with you today on the Pastor Scott Show. I am Pastor Scott. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, the state of Montana has banned TikTok. I'm wondering if you are on social media, and has this helped your relationships with people, or has it hurt them? Are you happier because you're on social media, or are you less happy? And maybe you've done something to fix that. Either you've left social media altogether, or maybe you've tweaked it somehow so that it works for you. Are you conscious enough of how this affects you? Uh, TikTok is being banned primarily because of the suspicions that it's being used against you by the Chinese government. And that's what Montana had to say. My money don't jiggle. Where'd that go? There it is. My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. I'd like to see you wiggle, wiggle. Nearly half the country, 150 million Americans, turn to TikTok for inspiration, information, and entertainment. 150 million Americans. That's half the country is on TikTok who most people never heard of before the pandemic, before the shutdowns. I'd never heard of it. And at one of the, uh, right after the shutdown, we're getting together with leadership teams at church, and somebody said, oh, have you seen this app? You do little dances on it. And I thought, well, I won't be a part of that. I'd never heard of it. And now half the country, 150 million Americans, that must mean it's got to be a higher percentage of adults. Most adults are on there. Are you on TikTok? 888-528-2557. I think people used to hide their TikTok account. Like they had a secret TikTok account and and, uh, now it's like, well, everybody's got one. Uh, So it's on there. Anyway, that's stunning to me. Half the country. And what he says is, is you get information, right? You're getting the information on there. Turn to TikTok for inspiration, information, and entertainment. But now Montana is turning it off, banning the app and potentially slapping $10,000 a day fines on app stores making it available. The governor says with TikTok owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, the ban is to protect Montanans' personal and private data from the Chinese Communist Party. TikTok is pushing back, saying the Chinese government is neither a partner nor party to information in the app. All right, so there's all kinds of controversy to it, but I think that when we get through that, you know, the I, I don't think that Americans really feel that controversy too much personally, right? Otherwise, 150 million Americans wouldn't be on there. If we if we thought, you know, and it's, you know, potentially the government's right, right? Potentially the government is saying, hey, what they're saying to us is, you shouldn't have this because your personal information in a deeper way is being sent to the Chinese Communist Party. I think most Americans have said, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I think most of our stuff's on the, on, out in the cloud anyway. It is a weird world we live in where you probably don't have much privacy. Do you ever read the terms of 
you know, whatever it is, the terms and conditions of whatever software you've downloaded or or connected with. It's multiple pages that I think in a lot of legalese basically says we own everything that you've put into us, every sentence, every picture, every comment, everything, and it's permanent. That's the digital thing. You can't go back and hide it. There was, I think it was the Onion or Babylon Bee or one of those satire groups that said that in the future, like 2040 or something like that, everyone in America is now no longer eligible for running for office for president because everybody's got something that cancels them out on their Facebook account. What I want to get to really, though, is more on the personal side. I mean, there's that side of it, but clearly, at least at this point, people aren't too worried about their privacy. But there are other reports that are saying that we are far more lonely because of social media, not just the TikTok machine, but uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all of those different things, that instead of bringing us together with friends, that it is tearing us apart. I'm wondering, what is your experience? And have you really given that some thought? 888-528-2557 is the number. You can call right now, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And, you know, kind of engaging in this is the the studies have come out that have said that we as in a culture aren't making friends very well that it's harder today for particularly adults to make friends, but even younger kids to make friends, and they think social media is part of it. I, I'm i on social media, and uh, you can find me on there. I want you to follow me because I, I have to use it for this show. I really should be using it to promote what we're doing on the show and to connect with you in another way, and I've got some ideas for that. And it's something that I almost, most of the time when I use it now, I have to get into the habit of of finding a way to do it that is productive, that is positive, that promotes our our show, that is fun. And that's the way it used to be. I used to, when it first came out, I thought it was fantastic. Social media, I mean. The, uh, what was what was one of the first things out there? I guess it was MySpace. That might have been one of the first ones I was on. And it was amazing how you connect with people. And then that went down the tubes. I got banned from MySpace. Remember yesterday we talked about getting banned? I got banned from a restaurant one time for asking something about the menu. I got banned from MySpace because... Once Facebook took off, I did most stuff on Facebook, but I put a line in my my status. If you're not familiar with social media, you can you used to put in what your status was. It's still kind of there, but now you just post stuff. But you used to always put, what are you doing today? You know, well, I'm at the beach. I'm going shopping. I'm taking a nap. And, you know, there was a serious part. So if you work, used it for work, you could say, well, I'm, I'm busy now. Don't talk to me. I'm free. Those kinds of things. It was status. And I used to just make a joke. And on my MySpace account, I put... Uh, Scott Furrow is probably on Facebook, which was true. I thought that was funny. MySpace didn't like that at all because Facebook was killing them, and they canceled my account. They deleted all my relationships, everything I'd posted, all my pictures, all of it was gone. And uh, I wrote them, and all they would tell me is that I violated their policies by uh, telling people I was probably on Facebook. Um, you know, So that was my first really negative experience. But then it was just kind of fun. Right. It, it used to and people would do weird stuff. Right. They'd post their meals. That was a big deal for a long time. They would post a picture of whatever it is that they're having for lunch, whatever their breakfast was. There's a picture of it. Uh, a friend of mine does this thing on Thanksgiving every year. 
He calls it uh, the pick of the plate contest, and people take a photograph of their plate on Thanksgiving with all the food dished up on it before you take a bite. So the idea is that you put all the food on there and you you design it in some way, right? And he made a contest. He'd give away a prize on there for what he thought. He was the sole judge of it, but he would get hundreds of people doing this. And there was something super fun about taking a picture of your Thanksgiving meal. I don't know why. It's stupid, right? But take a picture of it. And then, but the fun part was that you'd try to design the turkey laid out a certain way. Do I put the mashed potatoes next to the stuffing? What about the vegetables? Where do they go? Do I try to make sure that the onions are on top of the green beans? You know, how do I display this? And some people would make a face. Other people would be just more artistic about it. They would use stuff on the table. There was something fun with it. But that has changed. I, you know, I think even doing that, I think maybe he still does that, but it's, it's lost the fun and it's become something else. It's political, you know, it's full of advertisements and they have to make money. I get that. And the reason that your privacy is lost is because, you know, if you're on there, if you're not familiar with how this works, if you're just not on there for one reason or another, you know, it's free. These social media sites are for free. Uh, free in a technical sense, meaning that you don't pay for it. Although I think it's moving that direction, right? You're going to get you're going to get on the Twitter machine, and I noticed on Instagram now too. If you pay a monthly fee, you get some better features. So on on Twitter, one of the complaints for years is that you can't edit your posts. So if you have a typo on something and you put it on there, it's just out there forever. The only thing you can do is delete it and then repost it. But if you don't catch it right away, it might be on there a couple of days, and then. You have conversations and things going on, and then you don't want to delete it, but then you look silly because of your typo. But now you can pay for it, and you can pay, um, what is it? I think it's $7 a month or $8 a month or something like that, and you get a nice little blue check by your name. They confirm who you are, and uh, you get an edit button. I think if you use an iPhone, though, you have to pay $11 a month because the uh, App Store charges a bunch of money because that's what Apple does. This is the Pastor Scott Show. What is your experience on social media? Has it helped you or hurt you? What have you done to make it better, or did you get rid of it? And was that better? And really, I'm getting at, relationally, it's social media. It's supposed to bring people together. It's supposed to be very social. What do you think? 888-528-2557. Have you used it for your advantage, or has it caused you difficulty? Or maybe somebody you know. 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email. The pastor, it's pastorscott at kkla.com. Pastorscott at kkla.com. Um, so I mentioned that I, I've got it, and um, I, I'll probably use it for more of a professional thing. But I've, I've lost the engagement of it, except for a few close friends, you know, except for a few people. It's like it's great to, to maintain some relationships. Now, the other side of it is it can be very relational in not, a, not really a good way. I, the studies say that Facebook, just the word Facebook, shows up in one out of every three divorce petitions now. One out of three. That was a word that was in zero divorce petitions just 15 years ago. And now it's in one out of three. See, it can be, it can be very social for the wrong reasons. And what happens is, and I saw this a lot, is that you go on the, the Facebook or one of these things and you make friends with your, your ex and you're married and you've been married for a while and then all of a sudden your high school sweetheart shows up on there and so you, oh, I'm going to friend that person. Oh, how you doing? Haven't seen you for 20 years. And you chat a little while. The interesting thing is with that feature is that you can, it, it does remove 
a, I don't know, a certain thing that gives you the freedom to be more authentic. In some cases, it gives you the freedom to be more rude. But you can develop through text and typing and really just talking a pretty good relationship with somebody, including people you shouldn't have a relationship with in that way anymore. And I don't know what it is about social media, why that's more effective in that than than letters or even email, but there's something about it that on that side is very powerful and people wreck their lives. Uh, and people get in danger because they start chatting with somebody who they think is their friend and really that person is trying to rob them. It's uh, There's a whole new bunch of crimes that have come of it. Uh, anyway, I think this is something for us as believers that we have to, I think, be aware of. People today are starved for fellowship. They are starved for really being with each other. And, you know, the COVID shutdowns were brutal. They were absolutely brutal. And they were brutal because they we were already headed down the path of loneliness. And they separated us even further. And it's not just the getting stuck in your house and not being able to go to work and other things. Even the masks, the masks are brutal. Because even when you're with people, if you're wearing the mask, you lose the facial expressions. You had to remember you had to learn what's going on with people's eyes. Do you know Washington D.C. They're they're going to require people who are taking the bar exam to wear masks this year. Coming up right now, they have to wear a mask for that because of COVID. They really should wear the mask. It's crazy that that is going on, and people are mad. And people who say, you know, in the studies today say the mask isn't really all that good for you and that it probably didn't really filter out much at all of certainly the COVID or other diseases unless you had an N95 and you wore it correctly. And even that wasn't completely effective. And most people didn't do that. You know, most of us wore uh, whenever we had to. I got I was fortunate. I didn't have to wear it too much. But whenever I did, I had the throwaway Costco masks. You know, to get those a big, huge box of those blue masks. And, uh, you know, I would not wear them as much as possible, but sometimes you have to have them. And then eventually I would work whenever it was new, I'd have them and I would make sure they were clean. I always wanted a clean mask. And uh, that was a big deal. But toward the end of the pandemic, the funny thing is, is uh, I stopped caring as so much if they're clean. You know, I'd go someplace and most places didn't require a mask, but then you show up someplace and they want a mask and then you don't have one. And what do you do? Well, you fish around the car floor for it, you know. And it was, oh, here's one I was wearing this couple of months ago. It's got uh, some gum on it, but I'll wear it because i got to go in here. And that's pretty gross. <laughs> I, I told that story once, and a caller said that her husband grabbed a a mask that was never his out of the trash at the beach because he wanted to go in some store where he wanted to buy something. And uh, that was a that was a complication for them. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. How are you doing with friendships? Are you finding it today to be easier to make friends or harder to make friends? How does social media fit into that? The Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek Murthy, has been talking a lot about this and calling it a crisis. Here are some things that he had to say about this. Well, we're living in the middle of a youth mental health crisis in America. and I've He's talking about a youth mental health crisis, and he, he blames a lot of it on social media that kids are into. And kids can legally get into it at 13, and by legally, I don't know if there's any laws one way or the other, but you know what happens is, is your, your kids, if they go on for a social media account, it asks your age, and if you put in your under 13, they won't let you have it. But all you have to do is change the birth date, and suddenly you can have it because it's not really checking you out or anything. 
And we have a serious problem with mental health with youth, and a big part of it is people don't have relationships. said before, this is the defining public health issue of our time. And the reason I'm issuing this advisory is I am very concerned now that social media is an important factor that is driving this youth mental health crisis. You know, I, I talk to parents all across the country, and the most common question that they ask me is, is social media safe for my kids? And the truth is, when we look at the, uh, the collection of publicly available evidence, when we talk to researchers and subject matter experts, we can't say that social media is, in fact, as safe for our kids. And, in fact, what we do see is growing evidence uh, of harms. And specifically, you think about the fact that kids who use more than three hours of social media a day uh, face a greater risk, in fact, double the risk of depression and anxiety symptoms. This is especially concerning when you consider the fact that the average amount of use by kids is three and a half hours a day. So the bottom line is, Mm -hmm. this is a real point of concern here. When nearly half of kids are telling us that social media use makes them feel worse about their body image, I think about that as a father who has two young children. And I want what every parent wants. I want my kids to grow up confident, to grow up feeling good about themselves. I want them to be able to thrive. Uh, We should make sure that social media is, in fact, a place where our kids get benefits and where they're not harmed. So it's interesting to me that he talks about how young people in particular – are reporting that it makes them feel worse, and yet it's hard to stay away from it. Three and a half hours a day on social media, on average, for our kids, it makes them feel worse. And then at the end, he says that we're looking for ways to make it more of a benefit. And you know what? I feel like we're in this situation where it's probably not going away. And it's not something that we're, as a society, going to reject. I think it's something that's going to be with us. We're going to have to figure it out. I'm not sure that we have a good answer for that. I'm not sure that there is a good answer for that. Three and a half hours a day on social media. It's replacing television, although there's still a couple hours of TV and people do that. But for kids, right, it's video games and it is the social media. And that occupies so much of the free time. And it is contributing to loneliness and mental illness. That is what the studies say. The Surgeon General says it is the defining health issue of our time. When you think about that, coming out of the COVID and all the shutdowns and all of that, the defining mental health issue of our time. That's a significant comment. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, Um, How do you use that? You know, I looked at every time we have one of these shootings, right, and you have people who are, uh, you know, going back to gun bans and the assault weapons ban and things like that. And you see that from that date, it's 2004 or five, I think, when the last one expired and that the mass shootings have grown ever since then. Uh, That might be part of it. But you know what else happened during that period of time is the the dawn of social media. And I think that it's at least part of it, if it's not most of it, that so much of the youth problems we have with mental illness, with so many different things that kids are struggling with today, it has to do with the proliferation of social media. I think it has to do with the proliferation also of porn because it's damaging. Every study says it's terrible for you. It rewires your brain in the wrong way. So you add the porn to the social media, to the the body image stuff. The issues about gender, all of the stuff that are driven by social media, uh, I think that this is something we have got to wake up to. 
This is the Pastor Scott Show. Number is 888-528-2557. Richard in Cerritos, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, Richard. Well, I just heard you talking about social media, and I, I had an interaction on social media that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, I, I'm on a like a city group, you know, where people post things on that, that happen within the city. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, this lady posted she was wanting to know information on pride parades or or activities in the city, and I was about to comment. That, well, it's kind of a conservative city, and we don't really, you know, have those in San Diego, Long Beach, L.A. Well, they probably yeah. do have those. They they certainly do have those in San Diego, L.A., and Long Beach pride parades. Yeah, yeah everywhere, but uh, but in our little town, they don't really. And like have you're in a you're in a like suburb that. of uh, one of those areas. Yeah, and yeah, okay. so uh, I was about to comment, and I realized that the person posting this was someone I knew from church. Hmm. And so how did you engage with that person? I haven't replied at all. I've yeah. been watching the comments on it, and it's kind of fascinating because, you know, with this with this social media, especially these little town groups that they have, you end up knowing the people that you're, that you're commenting with, and it's, it's a smaller world. Yep. And I'm finding out that if they actually look onto my profile picture, they can actually see probably a picture of my car and my motorcycle and maybe a picture of my house and things that, that I've posted or, or, you know, my family. Yeah. And they might see me down at down at the Target or the Walmart or the, you know, the grocery well, store. Well, it's not very private. I mean, that's the thing is that you... You know, in fact, the internet itself is just not private. You can figure out all kinds of things about somebody with the smallest amount of information. You know, Richard, uh, with this person, do you know this person well at your church, or just somebody that you go, um, you see at church? It, it, it's somebody that I see, yes, but not somebody you talk to regularly, right? Yeah. Well, my advice for anybody with these kinds of things is: social media is a terrible place to have a serious conversation. You know, if you feel yeah, like you need I to agree. say, hey, I saw your post on there. I'm curious. You know, if you feel like that's what, you know, don't do it on the social media. Do it in person. Um, figure out, you know, it's it's so damaging when we go on social media and people just escalate things like crazy. And that's one of the reasons that uh, people are so depressed and sad because they're losing friendships. And, uh, they, and they also have a misconception about other people because a certain amount of nuance gets lost uh, even with friends. I got to go to a break. Richard, thank you for calling the Pastor Scott show. Um, it is it is such an important thing that we talk about this. And what I want to do when we come back from the break, when we come back from the break, I'm going to have a guest with us. Her name is Becky Harling, and she has written a book recently about joy and the solution to having joy in your life. And one of the reasons that people say they don't have joy or they have a lot of depression or anxiety is that we have pulled away from other people. And Becky will join us as the Pastor Scott Show continues. This is the Pastor Scott Show, Tuesday edition. I'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. 
We're living in the middle of a youth mental health crisis in America. And I've said before, this is the defining public health issue of our time. And the reason I'm issuing this advisory is I am very concerned now that social media is an important factor that is driving this youth mental health crisis. You know, I, I talk to parents all across the country, and the most common question that they ask me is, is social media safe for my kids? And the truth is, when we look at the, uh, the collection of publicly available evidence, when we talk to researchers and subject matter experts, we can't say that social media is, in fact, safe for our kids. And in fact, what we do see is growing evidence uh, of harms. And that was Vivek Murthy. He's our Surgeon General, and he's talking about the loneliness and the suffering that is going on, particularly with our kids, and in part is because we do not have good relationships like we used to have. And the same thing is true. There are great studies about this for adults as well, that we are not doing well at relating with each other. And I think there's some good solutions to that. We've been talking about that this hour. I have a guest with us. Her name is Becky Harling. She is an author and mentor and speaker. She's the host of the Connected Mom podcast and author of several books, including Prayers to Calm Your Anxious Heart and her new book, Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. Becky, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, it's great to be here with you, Scott. Well, it's great to have you on the show. You know, we've been talking about this hour, social media and its impact, particularly on friends and our ability to make friends. Do you feel like it's harder for kids and adults to make friends today, or is it easier because of social media and technology and things? You know, the research is against social media, social right. uh, media. And so I would have to say that while social media can play a function in our lives, it, it's not helping us form deeper, connected, more bonded relationships. You know, they're kind of surface relationships. We think we have so many friends, quote unquote, because they like a post that we do, but we're not getting to the heart of community that Jesus wants us to get to. When you say that and you talk about surface friends, I think I understand that. You know, uh, we we just moved to a new town. It's hard to make friends. I think it's hard as an adult, right, because we're busy. And yep. get, we have a lot of surface friends, I would say, um, but it's harder to get to that next level. You know, what are, what are the different levels of friendship that you think people are are longing for? You know, I think they're longing for real, authentic connection because – Again, the problem with social media is, you know, I can post a picture that maybe would make my marriage look great, my home great, my kids great, um, but that's not reality. You're not showing and, the picture of everybody yelling at each other right before the picture right. and right after. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm not showing pictures of dirty dishes in my sink or I'm not showing pictures, you know, so we're we're painting a facade of who we really are, but really Jesus designed us for deep relationships. And that's really the key to joy. You know, the key to joy is deep intimacy with Christ, but then deep connection with friends. And that's the way God has wired our brains. And so we've got to figure this out in, in new ways, because apparently we're getting worse at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, social media is probably part of it, but I think this has been going on for a long time. I'm wondering, as you're even talking about this, do all of our listeners even understand what that deep relationship is? You know, how many times are we actually having that kind of friendship? What is uh, what are some steps that people can take to develop better friends? 
Yeah. And so I think for starters, we have to change the narrative in our heads. It begins there because Mm. a lot of times we're looking at our life and we view the success of our life based on what we accomplish, right? That's kind of the American dream. And, and so I think it was Herbert Hoover that said we're fiercely independent and somehow we have elevated independence as a wonderful quality, but you'll never find independence really affirmed in scripture, interestingly enough, because God built us for codependence and community. And so I I think that the way we start is we change the narrative in our head. We remind ourselves, no, I was formed for community. So I'm going to create this space in my schedule for community. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to take initiative to get to know my neighbors. I'm going to take initiative and invite somebody from church over from for coffee. You know, I'm going to open up to the friends I do have and say, hey, you know, let's go a little deeper. Tell me your story and I'll tell you mine. And let's go a little deeper in this friendship. I mean, those are all steps we can take. Well, you know, practically speaking, you know, I think you're right that we need to do those things. What is, what's an impetus for that? And we're you know, I hear this a lot, and you've been in church before. You've been a pastor's wife. You do a lot of speaking, and church is a place where people come to where you really can develop friends. In fact, I would say that the best friends in my life, eventually, I've got them from church, right? right. They they were in a small group. You know, it wasn't somebody I just sat by in a pew on Sunday. It was somebody that I went to the small group, the small group fit, and I had to commit to that even on days I didn't want to go, you know. What, yes. When you when you hear people and in your experience, how do you help people take that initiative rather than just wait for it to come their way? You know, I, I think it takes a huge mindset shift on yeah. a lot of people's hearts, because what I hear often is, well, I can't find connection in this church, you know, right. and I would challenge that you can find connection in any church across America if you try, <laughs> you know, so we, we do need to put ourselves out there and we need to decide, hey, if I don't want to be lonely, I'm going to have to take some initiative. I'm going to have to learn maybe a few people skills, you know, like maybe I need to work on learning to ask questions to get to know other people. You know, it's so intriguing. Once you learn the art of asking questions of other people, every person is amazing and interesting, you know, and and so as you meet people, learning what their story is, learning what their history is, learning where they grew up or how they grew up and how that informs who they are today. Those are all great steps we can begin to take. But the impetus comes when we start feeling lonely enough to realize, hey, we've got a problem. We're really feeling lonely and we've got to get back to the joy-filled life that God created us for. Are there things that get in our life that give us the impression that we're not lonely, but we really are? Like, is there, you know, have you dealt with that? Oh, yeah. I I think the leading one is busyness. Mm -hmm. Somehow here in the West, we have equated the fact that if our schedule is full, we are not lonely. But that's not true because 
probably if your schedule is packed solid, if you're busy all the time, you're not taking time for those deep conversations. You know, you can be in a marriage and feel lonely in your marriage if you're not slowing down enough to really enjoy each other. You can feel lonely in your neighborhood if you never get to know your neighbors. You know, if you just wave at them as you race out of your driveway and race back in. So I, I, you know, I think we have to slow down quite a bit for starters. My guest is Becky Harling. This is the Pastor Scott Show. Becky is the author of Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. You know, as you were talking about that, too, with church, I do think that we have a, and of course, I've been a pastor for a long time, and the interesting thing, and you've experienced this because you've been, sometimes you're the wife of a pastor, and sometimes you've been the wife of a missionary or mission leader. <laughs> yep. you know, so there's been times, and my wife and I experienced this, too, where we in our ministry, we're not sitting by each other in church, and we don't really have a choice of what church to go to. And now the interesting thing is I do have a choice of what church to go to, and I sit by my wife, which is a nice experience. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not easy. And as when in ministry, I think that there's a sense that if I go to church, I'm just going to have friends, but that it's the church's job to force that to happen rather yeah. than our job to take some initiative with it. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I hear that a lot. So I am serving in a church right now, you know, and um, I am helping this church kind of launch some women's ministries. So I will get questions from women. Oh, can you have more activities for us? You know, because they're looking for connection. But then you plan those activities (laughs) and people are like, oh, I can't come that night, you know, because I've got sports or I've got this or I've got the other thing. And really the church can't be responsible to make all of your community happen. They can facilitate things like the Rooted program, which is fabulous, I think, for discipleship, uh, small groups programs. They can have some activities, but at some point, we're going to have to start realizing, hey, if I'm going to live the life of joy that God's created me to live, I need to take responsibility for my friendships, and I need to begin reaching out and inviting people in. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, you're right about that. I also think that's hard for some people. It's really easy for some people. In fact, I've learned when I had a church where there was a lot of military people, they got very good at making friends because they got to jump right in. I'm only in town six months or two years or however long, and they got yeah. pretty good at it. But I think for most of us, it's it's difficult. Can you stay over the break? Are you able to stay on a few more minutes? Sure. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about the idea of prioritizing your connection to Christ and your friends and how that works together. And uh, we'll take your calls also. The number is 888-528-2557. My guest is Becky Harling. She's the author of Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends and the Connected Mom podcast. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. 
Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Becky Harling. She is author, speaker, and mentor, and the host of the Connected Mom podcast and the new book called Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. You can also learn more about her at beckyharling.com. Becky, we've been talking about loneliness and friendship, and you know studies are showing that loneliness is a it's worse than the pandemic in just about yep. every single way and in a physical way of health that your odds of of death in fact this statistic it just floors me but long, according to one researcher it says that loneliness is as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day that'll have that impact on shortening your life so this is a big deal this is something that we need to not ignore in the midst of our busyness and our schedules how do how do we get past the idea that I'm lonely, why don't I have friends, and why don't people come to me? What are some ways to do that? You know, I, I think it starts with a change in our mindset. Right. So rather than saying, okay, why don't people come to me, which, I mean, that is a valid question, right? Because you might be might off-putting be a to people. There yeah. might be a reason. But do some internal work, you know, and think, okay, you know, I've had some people tell me, I'm just not a good conversationalist, Becky, so I can't make friends. Well, the key to good being a good conversationalist is really to get the other person talking about themselves. That's right. So before you go meet somebody, come up with five questions, write them on an index card, keep them in your car, and right before you go in to meet that person for coffee, think through what questions you're going to ask them and get them talking. Because if you're lonely, they're probably lonely. The other suggestion that I have is in the church, in the body of Christ, if you go back through church history, people had each other in their homes. In our present day and age, you know, we may take a friend to Starbucks and don't get me wrong. I love a good Starbucks, uh, but we may take them to Starbucks or out to dinner, but we need to start inviting people into our homes because that was a core conviction in the early church. People would gather around the dinner table. They would talk about the Lord. They would share what God was doing in their lives. They would share their struggles and their joys. And that's how the church grew. If you look in the book of Acts, and I think we need to get back to doing some of that, Scott. I think in our fast paced culture, we're so busy taking people out. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but what does it look like to have somebody in your home for a cup of coffee or to pray with them or to have them over for a meal? Those are where the deepest connections are formed. It's interesting. This morning, I was praying on the phone with a friend and we have been friends for over 30 years. We started being friends when our girls were toddlers. So we would pray for each other's girls. Now it's like 30 years later. And now we're praying together over our grandchildren. Hmm. And there's such joy in that. And my friend said to me on the phone this morning, because we pray early in the morning, she said, you know, Lord, I'm so, as she was praying, she was like, Lord, I'm so thankful for this friendship because we're closer than even sisters are because we've journeyed through life together. It doesn't mean it's been a perfect friendship, but it has been a great friendship. You know, it's. Uh, I think it's great advice, by the way, that we need to get in people's homes, and because it, it says something about how somebody lives, right? When you go to their house, yes. or when they come to your house, and maybe that's the reason. Right? We're embarrassed about something in our house, but yeah. but that's who we are, right? You just got to clean up the mess or leave the mess if that's what you want to do. 
But it's that level of relationship that is authentic that we're talking about, the kind of thing where you're at somebody's home. And, you know, when we think about that, somebody a long time ago said, you want to have the kind of relationship that's a kitchen relationship. Yes, and that's it, a great quote. Yeah, it starts in the foyer where you meet somebody. And it's kind of formal. You're not sure whether to hug them or shake their hand or take their coat or not take their coat. And you're getting to know them. Then you invite them in your house and you sit in the living room in the room that nobody uses most of the time. But the best friends are the ones who come in and feel so comfortable that they can go to your refrigerator and pull something out without asking. Yeah, and you're sitting at the kitchen table and you're you're sharing hearts, you're sharing struggles. Maybe we all have struggles. If you are married and you're raising kids, there's always challenges in raising kids at the kitchen table. You can talk about those struggles together. This book rooted joy is the first of the girlfriend gathering series, because during COVID I began to realize, you know, some women, I think they're kind of tired of the big stadium events. Now, Don't get me wrong. I love speaking at those big stadium events, but they're looking for something deeper. What would happen if girlfriends who had been friends for a while started gathering in their homes and just getting real with each other? And so the the book is actually loaded with conversation starters, as well as some thoughts from the book of Philippians to help women get back to joy by connecting with each other. You know, I think that uh, your books and your ministry is primarily towards women, but I think men, yes. who are, men who are listening, we understand what it's like to be at somebody else's house, right? Yes. That's, we may not talk as much, right? I remember uh, I moved and I had one couple help us move, and I don't know, we were together for four or five hours, and by the end of it, my wife and his wife knew everything was going on in each other's lives and each other's families, and she wanted, Christy wanted to know my opinion of what you know he had to say, and we never talked about it. Uh, you know, in five hours, but we had a great time together. What we laugh about me and my guy friends is the, you know, 17,000 pound desk I had and how we got that down the stairs, right? There was a bonding experience, but it only happens at home. I think it's great advice to have people get back to bringing people into their homes. Does that yeah, work? And yeah. Daring to be authentic and vulnerable. I mean, even, uh, for my husband, Steve, who has been, you know, a pastor almost his whole life and now heads a mission organization. He he has been saying, you know, Beck, we need to be vulnerable with people. And and I and he's been doing that as well. So just two weeks ago, we had a couple from church over to our home. We sat at the kitchen table. You know, we had dinner together and we were all sharing our stories. Now, there was light, fun stuff, too, but there's real sharing about some of the struggles that we've had in in our lives and listening to them and them asking us questions and us asking them questions. There's a deeper bond that's formed. Yeah. So you you shared a couple of things that I think are helpful for everybody. One is invite people to your home. And the other part I think that's helpful and I I don't want it to get lost is the ability to ask those questions because you're right. In fact, let's think maybe one of the best relationship building a piece of advice I ever got was somebody said, everybody likes to talk about themselves. Yes. If you want to get to know somebody, ask them a bunch of questions. And if they're interested in being your friend, eventually they'll come around asking you to talk about yourself. Yes. 
That's exactly right. I remember using that principle when I dated, actually. I was starting to date and I was kind of nervous about dating. And somebody told me, oh, you don't have to be nervous about dating. Just ask the guy questions because guys love to talk about themselves. Right. That was the best advice. <laughs> you know, it's still good advice. It's just that now people have already filled out a survey online and then you click yes. And that's a weird, weird world <laughs> we live true. in. But it's not authentic, right? People are yeah. grumpy about the uh, that part of it. It becomes authentic when you sit down in person and have that conversation. Uh, Tell us about your book here. We just have a couple of minutes left. My guest is Becky Harling. She is the author of a new book, Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. Tell us about your book. Yeah, and so this book is the first, again, in a series called the Girlfriend Gathering Series. So it is designed for girlfriends, not to leave you guys out. It goes through the book of Philippians, but it gives prompts and questions to get friends to really connect on a deep level. And then there are some fun parts to the book, like there are girlfriend suggested girlfriend activities. One of them, you know, uh, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And funny story, Scott, my daughter was the editor for this book. And she's like, oh, mom, please don't have the girlfriends wash each other's feet because most (laughs) women think feet are gross. She said, have them go for pedicures. And I'm like, that's brilliant. You know, so that's one of the suggestions that's in the book. Um, There are suggestions for building joy boxes for other people just to get these girlfriends to really form deeper relationships that are going to carry them through the rest of their life. It's critical. Yeah, it's critical. And it's critical as Christians, you say, prioritizing your connection to Christ, because this is also what we need to be doing with Christ, inviting him into our home, our every part of our life. He already knows everything. He's already there. Uh, You got to be vulnerable with the Lord, too. Yes, absolutely. We got to carry on a conversation with God because we're designed for intimacy with him and deep connection with others. And we can't find that if we never spend time with God, right? That's right. And the same is true with our friends. That really works. And then this joy is that, you know, we're talking about people who are sad and depressed and lonely. There's so much joy in Christ and in our connection with other people because that's how we're made. Yes, it, it, there's actually been brain studies that say that the key to joy is found when your brain, uh, when you're in a close relationship with another person and your eyes connect and you see that other person's eyes light up that say they're happy to see you and you're, you're forming friendship. There's like kinetic energy that goes back and forth between your brain and theirs. And it, it stimulates the joy in your life. And we need to get back to that. We do. It's uh, really great. Uh, thank you for being on the show here. Uh, my guest is Becky Harling. Becky Harling is the author of Rooted Joy, Prioritizing Your Connection to Christ and Your Friends. And I was thinking, you know, it, it's, it is a book for women. Uh, but guys, you could buy it for your wife and you could read through it. Just don't tell anybody. Yeah, uh, that's you, great advice. <laughs> you'll get something out of there, but uh, don't go, don't invite your guy friends to a pedicure. That's probably the wrong move, but think of something else, right? Yes. That would be uh, good for that. Uh, and Becky, you're also the host of the uh, Connected Mom podcast, and people can find all of that in all of that information at your website, Becky Harling, H-A-R-L-I-N-G, BeckyHarling.com. Yes, they can. And I would love to have you visit me there. Um, 
it's a great place. I have a lot of free gifts up on my site and you can listen to the podcast and find out where you can listen. And it's just a lot of fun stuff going on. And in fact, right now I'm in the process of writing another book that answers the question, why am I so lonely? And that will come out in 2024. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Becky, thanks for being with me today on the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always great to be with you. All right. Thank you, Becky. Once again, the website is beckyharling.com. Check it out, beckyharling.com. Pastor Scott Show will be back for hour two. You can get the podcast at kkla.com or wherever you get the podcast, your favorite podcasts at uh, Apple or Spotify or wherever. This is the Pastor Scott Show Tuesday edition. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.